what was interesting, though, is that every one of them, when we asked who their provider was, they said, well, we have this one nurse practitioner that comes in uh, to see patients, and, and she worked for this doctor, but they never see the doctor. And, um, and I said, well, like everywhere I went, I would say, well, how often do they come in the building? And she said, oh, they're, they're here at least once a month. Once a month? And I was like, floored. I mean, we're in our buildings two to three times a week. And so one of the, uh, one of the people I talked to, one of the facilities, she said, yeah, she said, and, and they're not on call. So like, if we call them, you know, and I may catch them during the day if we have a problem with somebody, but they really don't do anything. And she said, so we send a lot of people out to the emergency room. This is the Disrupted Podcast with Scott Middleton. Each week, Scott shares how he uses the leadership principle of disruption to keep his companies growing and moving in the right direction. Let's get started. Welcome to the Disrupted Podcast. My name is Jamie Preston, and here we are again with Scott Middleton, our Chief Disruption Officer. Scott, how you doing? Oh, Jamie, uh, good. It's, it's been it's been a good week and a good um, uh, learning opportunities this week. Yeah, uh, things that we with um, with South Carolina house calls is just absolutely amazing yeah um, to your podcast you did with uh, Greg um, Charlton yesterday mm-hmm. and uh, a couple of days ago but I listened to it yesterday and about us moving into Georgia so we now have Georgia house calls as well as South Carolina house calls yeah um, I will say uh, one of the most interesting things is we went yesterday and just started going to a bunch of assisted livings all over Augusta. Uh, I bet there's, I'm just thinking there's probably 50 assisted mm-hmm. uh, livings in that town, and we probably went to 10. Uh, what was interesting, though, is that every one of them, when we asked who their provider was, they said, well, we have this one nurse practitioner that comes in uh, to see patients, and, and she worked for this doctor, but they never see the doctor. And, um, and I said, well, like everywhere I went, I would say, well, how often do they come in the building? And she said, oh, they're, they're here at least once a month. And once a month. Wow. <laughs> a month. And I was like floored. I mean, we're in our buildings two to three times a week. Yeah. And and so one of the uh, one of the people I talked to, one of the facilities, she said, "Yeah, she said, and and they're not on call. So like, if we call them, you know, and I may catch them during the day if we have a problem with somebody, but they really don't do anything." And she said, "So we send a lot of people out to the emergency room, um, you know, a lot because there's nobody else to take care of them. And you know, in our in our practice, we see people so often. We have telemedicine visits constantly, um, you know, within the facilities. I mean, there's no reason a patient in any of our facilities right now that needed care wouldn't get it. But our real goal is to be so proactive with the care that um, that that you don't have any of those emergencies. Yeah. So I, I see a hospitalization that was a failure of primary care. 90% of the time. And, um, and so, you know, like she said, you know, our people will go out to specialist and then they come back and nobody's looking at the whole picture until this practitioner gets there every two to three weeks. So, um, I, I just would have assumed, you know, it's sometimes you, you, you know what you mean when you assume, I just would have assumed that <laughs> Georgia Augusta market where they have, you know, university over there and, 
they would be more progressive than that. And nobody has picked up the ball to do anything. Wow. It's unreal. Yeah. And, and you and I have both talked about, you know, on previous podcasts when a patient or a resident from an assisted living leaves to go to the hospital, if they come back, they're at least gone for 90 days to three months. I mean, or three months, you know, or longer. I know. Exactly. Yeah. And that, and that's what this gal and one of the assisted livings was telling us yesterday. She said, yeah, it's just like they go out and she said, you know, we get maybe a third of them back, but they've already gone to skilled and it's given up their room. And it's just, you know, it's just a change. And I was, I said, well, no more. It doesn't have to happen anymore. So um, that, that was pretty exciting to see what we're going to be able to do to transform. And, and I think the people in South Carolina don't really understand what a good thing they have. Um, sure. But I was also, I spent the night in Aiken last night and um, I just went down to the, the bar where I was staying and I was talking to this old man down there. And he was, um, it, I, was I told him what I did and we were talking about house calls and he said, Oh, my wife has that and I said oh really and she he said yeah she's on hospice and I said mm-hmm. oh which one and of course it wasn't agape care uh was, wasn't one but uh he actually I would what intrigued me when I was sitting there he had his phone turned on and and I saw this woman sitting in a chair and he said yeah so she's at home I came out to eat um and he said I I don't always have a sitter you know to take care of her but I keep this monitor on her so I can get back to the house if anything um, if anything happens. And so there, his wife with dementia sitting in a chair wow. and honored her in her. And I thought, you know, that was pretty smart. Um, I, I wouldn't say that that's a bad thing for him to do. She can't get, she's in a Jerry, uh, like a big reclining chair, so she can't get out, you know, right. and he was maybe, five, well, he, I actually saw him drive in and I realized that he drove like a bat out of hell. So, I mean, he, he could get to her house <laughs> in like three minutes as fast as he was going. But, um, but anyway, it was interesting uh, to see that happen. And, but anyway, so he, I said, well, like somebody comes in and I said, but, but we write prescriptions. I said, that's usually try to, how I try to describe it. We're doctors and, and practitioners and we write, uh, I'm, I'm going to stop saying nurse practitioners, I think, and just saying practitioners because they hear nurse first and that's what they think. Right. And so he said, no, this person, this nurse from hospice, she comes in and, and writes prescriptions for us. And I said, well, she better not be. But but yeah. the point is what she was calling the doctor and getting them, you know. Right. And they just don't understand uh, the the complexity of, of some of the patients. And, and we need more than just a nurse laying eyes on them. Um, so that's – that's uh, so the big revolution this week I want to talk about is – is going back to Ames, and I don't know how much mm-hmm. we've talked about. We talked a little bit about call. that last last week, actually. So what Ames did this week, I get an update every Friday, so unfortunately we may have more calls on Ames. Um, so Ames, uh, Ames team met with Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, this week, and they were talking about quality measures. And so um, there's all kinds of measures now that insurance companies put up to, to help providers get to where they need to be. And so what basically what they've done is they're prompting providers by saying, hey, these are things you need to do. So they actually sent over a list of our patients. They mm-hmm. have already built artificial intelligence into their systems at Blue Cross. Wow. And 
they ran reports for us and sent us a list of our patients that needed to have visits based on the stuff they're seeing in the doc in, in what we bill and, and in that documentation. Hmm. So they already did for us. It was unreal. And, and so what they actually even said, they would start sharing what, how they get there with us so that the formulas they use so that we could build them into our own system. It, and so, uh, you know, nobody knows that artificial intelligence is out there and really being used. I, I think most patients would never know. So uh, they, they gave us several hundred visits that we need to make. Right. And, and so we're calling now, we just, we started today calling patients and scheduling appointments for them and saying, you know, your insurance provider has reached out to us and asked us to have this bit, have this very specific visit mm-hmm. uh, with you. And the, they don't really take long. They're about 15 minutes. Right. Uh, they're, they're intended to be really a screening tool and confirmation tool. Uh, but, you know, let's say we, we end up with a problem that we find, you know, one out of you know, 10 or 15 or 20 visits, sure. then it was worth Blue Cross's Blue Shields uh, to, to pay for all of it. Yeah. And so, and typically insurance are saying, don't go to the doctor, don't do this, don't do that, because they don't want to pay for it. But they're seeing the difference when people are being seen more often by their primary care provider. And absolutely. And I think that's the key to it. The insurance companies have now figured this out. Mm. is that they want you to go to your primary care. And so then what was even better about the whole thing is they gave us a list of stuff, and if we do these number of visits on these number of patients, they'll pay us a bonus. Wow. That's not, it's not a whole lot of money, but it but it can add up, sure. you know, if we do everybody. So as we've as we put together our specialty clinic, what we're looking at is the the visits that Blue Cross wants us to do. And we've had and we had another insurance provider who sent us all these quality measure things that we should be looking at. So we can really have a visit with a patient and it's really just about checking off on the quality measures that the insurance companies have posted out there. It's really what it's doing. Wow. You know, and it's prompting us to have these visits. So we built templates uh, in the system so that when the providers go in, they'll really know how to do it like a good, like check sheet, you know, mm-hmm. of this, but, but artificial medicine is here and, and it's really nothing more than having that artificial intelligence screen through all of those things that are going on with you that are in the chart and then pulling that information and saying, okay, provider, you need to look at this or yeah. this or this. And, and it's a really cool. Yeah. And that's why it's so important for the provider to get, really detailed information to put in that chart so that the artificial intelligence can do its job. You know, exactly. And, and so one of the, um, but, but then I was, I met with a doctor yesterday who's a, uh, in, in a physician's practice group, a primary care practice group. And he was talking about how, you know, the part of the things that changed in the documentation requirements in January, Medicare realized that we were repeating every time somebody came to the, the office, we were basically grabbing anything that ever had happened before and trying to put it into that visit. Mm-hmm. And that's really the way they paid us. That's the, we did that because that was some of the requirements for uh, for getting paid to do that. And so I think what they realized with electronic medical records, maybe that made it made sense back in the day when you had a paper chart, you know? Right. <laughs> um, and so kept writing it over and over so you only when you when the patient came in you only had to look at the top page not the 500 pages underneath right 
So uh, now with electronic and searchabilities and stuff, it's made it easier. So they just said, don't do that anymore. So they really just pay you based on the medical decision that you make right. for that. Um, and you have to show why you made that medical decision, mm -hmm. uh, but you, you don't have to put everything else in there. But again, when we do it that way, the question is, are we going to miss stuff that goes in the chart? So uh, what we've, we've done is uh, is now we're, we've put together a central intake team. And so we have specific nurse practitioners that do the intake of all new patients. And their job is to do a record research, too, and go back through and pull any records that were coming out of the hospitals or previous surgeries or whatever is going on or other doctors or specialists and grab that information and summarize that in our chart for the first time. So then it doesn't have to be done later, but having all that available. And so they, because that's all they do is central intake and they really spend a lot of time with that patient and get everything there. It makes it easier for our providers once that go, go to see them that actually see the patient in the field or in their home. Um, it helps them to really make better decisions because all that information is there. Yeah, that's incredible. And, and that's really going to save a lot of time, you know, for providers just pointing out, this is what you need to look at. This is what you need to look at. Um, and they're going to be able to be much more detailed and, and that's going to help them dig in their charts. Yeah, ex exactly. Yeah. So this, uh, so, so I just, I, I, you, it's like just mind blowing just to think every single day of all the things that we could do and breaking the mentality of patients and also providers that like in Georgia, where this lady feels it's okay, this NP to, to go to this facility once a month and that she mm -hmm. never sees these patients more often than that. And, and she's not meeting those quality measures. I know for a fact, she's not getting there. She's not put, put, putting the information. She's not doing proactive. And what's happening is these patients are going to the hospital and dying. And she thinks she's out there doing a good job because while she was sitting in front of the patient, she probably did a good job with that patient. Yeah. Her but cares. not knowing. Yeah, her immediate care is probably good. Yeah, so um, it, it, the the other thing that I think we, we that we talked about going ahead and setting up this week is is a whole cancellation pod, uh, and so mm. having the, we get so many. I mean, I would say twenty five to thirty percent of our visits are canceled mm. on a regular basis. And it's either because they may have gone to the hospital. It could be because they just didn't want the visit. You know how people are. They just cancel visits. They may have gotten a bill and said, hey, I can't afford to pay this. Sure. <laughs> Not realizing that it's going to be covered under insurance. Um, and so uh, what we've got to do now is, is we've been trying to do it within the regions itself and the schedulers looking at it. But but we really are just going to have one group that's going to try to dig in and find out. What, well, one one by having a smaller group go do those, um, uh, do the cancellations, and we'll probably start to really put together what's the real reason for it. Sure. You know. Yeah. And so then maybe that'll help us to keep that from happening. Yeah, and that's going to solve. Yeah, I mean, if and if you can pick up, you know, fifteen percent of those twenty-five percent that are canceling back up and, and that's going to be better health care for them once they realize why. Yeah, 
So it's kind of like, uh, you know, the dentist offices figured this out better than primary care. But if I go to the dentist and I schedule my next appointment and I don't show up at that next appointment, they're calling me. So now mm -hmm. what they do is they, they call, text, email, three, four different ways. They try to get a hold of me prior to the visit so I don't cancel it uh, or I don't do, just not show up. Uh, but in physicians' practices, we just really haven't done a lot of that. And so we and, – and most most people don't go to the doctor unless there's something wrong with them. Yeah. And that's the way most practices are. You have something wrong, then you come. Well, well, by the time you get there, it can be too late. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. screening. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's that's not the – yeah, when you're sick is – obviously, that's the time to go to the doctor. But, man, you should be – you know, how often, now this probably varies by age, Scott, but how often should a person be going to the doctor? Yeah, so um, it, it, it really it's, it really depends based on the disease process that you've mm -hmm. got. But as an example, like if, you, if you're a diabetic, you should be having your A1Cs done um, every 91 days. Mm -hmm. And we do it any one days, you know why? <laughs> Because that's when the insurance will pay for it. Right. They won't pay for it on the 90th day. They'll pay for it on the 91st. Well, why is that? Because they realized at some point they've done a study and determined that if we do this every four months, we're more than likely to keep that, um, that person in check. But if you do it more often than that, it probably, it, it probably doesn't help. Right. You know, so that, that's why they, they put it there. So, yeah, so I, if that's the case, then if you're diabetic, you at least once a quarter. But if your A1Cs are off, then you need to be seen until they're fixed. Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't always look at it by age. I do think there's a certain point in life that you just need. Like I'm, I'm having the doctors do uh, my lab work now for, instead of an annual physical. I'm having them do it twice a year. Right. I may or may not need to see the doctor twice a year, but at least go ahead and get the labs run because if something's going to change, it could change drastically in six months. Sure. Um, and, and then I wonder, I know there's, there's all kinds of mixed feelings about uh, scans, even like uh, breast, you know, do checking for breast cancer and doing mammograms and stuff. But I really think we probably ought to look like colonoscopies every 10 years. Um, but should we but, but should we also but they have moved it up earlier you need to start having a colonoscopy at age 45 not 50 right. anymore so um then then do we need to be having scans you know pet scan you sure. know to see if you have cancer cells in you or something uh and how often can you do that to the point where you don't get sick from the scan itself <laughs> right exactly right. Yeah. I mean, the quicker you catch this stuff, the more successful you're going to be, you know, going through those disease processes. And, and, and it's critical to just be in constant contact with your provider. Yeah. Uh, but I think the, the biggest thing I think I could say to our providers and our patients out there is one, be extremely honest with your provider. Mm. Make sure provider and and knows everything and has put it in there uh, because even if it's even if you're taking my Latin, you know even if you're taking an over-the-counter medication even if you took aspirin you know make sure that they are aware of what you're taking because as we build that into the chart 
we're going to be able to use that as data points. Yeah. So you just never know. You may be having a problem because you were taking some multivitamin and then you were taking another, you know, another vitamin and you then took a prescription pill and those all three could have an interaction. And, and if we don't have it in the system, we won't know. Right. So, and, and just honestly tell people too about your diet. If you mm -hmm. eat French fries every day, just tell the damn doctor. Right. If you're drinking sodas, yes, he's gonna, he or she's gonna fuss at you and say, "Stop!" If you're drinking sodas, if you're drinking diet sodas, it's same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, make sure they know what you're, what you look like. Yeah. Um, because that explains a lot about um, what's going on in your in your system and what they need to be looking for. Sure. Yep. I, I know a lot of people, they go to the doctor and especially uh, I know my dad did this and he would show off. I mean, he he when he got to the doctor, he was telling him, oh, I, I'm good. At this he didn't want to complain. He didn't want to talk about those things that maybe he was um, experiencing. But just like you're saying, just be completely gut level honest and you're going to get better results. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so, um, yeah, I, I think that the, the big takeaway is that there's going to be so much in once everything is in there and your data's there, we, we will be able to pre-screen a lot of stuff and mm -hmm. really do a lot of prevention. And as we know, that the sooner we catch something that's going on in your body, the fat, the faster we catch it, the better. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I will, I, I was telling you right before, um, I just came back from the doctor with my dad. The doctor called and, and said, I think you need to come in. So my dad, a month ago, started having some problems, uh, just digestive and stomach. And he had also been working on losing weight uh, for my daughter's wedding. Mm -hmm. And so he said, I lost weight, but he said my stomach was still kind of protruding. And so and he, he, and he and it wasn't terrible, but he went ahead and went to the doctor. And the doctor said, well, let me run a scan. He gave him a, gave him some medication first to see what was going on. That didn't help, and so he he ran a scan, and um, and he has a mass on his colon, and it's probably very, uh, very uh, recent, you know, mm -hmm. because he it, they they did check his livers and everything else, um, and then we said, but it, even though he's eighty six years old. Uh, we ha he said, when I call, uh, he said, I got to call this surgeon, but I have to help him understand how healthy you are. Yeah. And and I looked over and I said, he plays golf every day. Mm -hmm. So that's a good point. I'll tell him that. Yeah. <laughs> <He's playing golf. laughs> and he does. Um, yeah. I see him. I see him walking across the street with his clubs and and uh, he headed to the players club almost every time I'm there. Yeah, it is virtual, but that does it does keep him. He's very active. He mm -hmm. walks a lot. He gets the dog and stuff, and so he's in good shape. Um, but I think only because he was willing to say, "Hey, I don't feel good. Maybe I need to get this checked out." And a lot of times we sit there and go, "I just don't know what the point is." Mm -hmm. You know, what well, I don't really need it. You know, they're telling me the same thing they've always told me. Well, maybe you're telling them the same thing you've always said. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But it, but. It, but it is exciting. I think our our uh, we we're shifting our practice again as we continue to do to do better healthcare. And now because of this artificial intelligence, we're hiring those specialty what I'm calling a specialty pods. Mm -hmm. And so we've got them 
now. We've got one group. We just hired two nurse practitioners or moved two nurse practitioners into working with one of our docs, and they're just going to be the post-discharge pod. Hmm. And so anytime there's somebody being discharged from a hospital, a nursing home, assisted living, home health, or hospice, anytime those discharges happen, these guys are looking at those at those patients. They're doing a visit with them, going through everything, and then really scrutinizing because these guys that are are that that's their specialty as to what should be done is right. making sure that uh, what happens next and following up with those patients. Um, so we'll have we, we're going to end up with a lot of specialty pods, and a lot of our patients are going to be seen by a lot of different providers. Yeah, but I'm telling. That, that's the good thing. You know, it's if you've been seen by our pharmacist, if you've been seen by our cardiology um, NPs that, that are starting uh, next next month, which is really exciting, too, um, they can help get you pre-screened for what you need uh, and get you get you started um, on the process a lot faster than something. Because, you know, if you call for a cardiology appointment, it's probably going to take you a month. Mm-hmm. Um, to get in, and with us, we can get you scheduled uh, within, you know, probably three to five days, and so getting that process started. So all these specialty pods, if you start being seen by all of them, they're building that data of report. They're all asking different kinds of questions and prodding about your health, which then allows our artificial intelligence to screen through those charts and help the providers make better decisions for you. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Absolutely. Now I want to talk about this too, because I got to witness it yesterday. Um, Not only do you have artificial intelligence you guys are working on, you've got robotic intelligence at the pharmacy now. Um, The SynMed machine. Have you, have you got a chance to see it work, Scott? Um, I, I was in on the uh, the initial purchase of it, so right. I got to see how it worked before we bought it. But I haven't gone over there to watch our uh, machine actually work. But yeah, it is amazing. In, I forget how many, like five hundred different kinds of pills. Five hundred and eight. Yeah, it's five hundred five hundred and eight different medications can be in there loaded at once. So I do know. Last week they said uh, we were filling. Um, we're filling prescriptions for the for this um, assisted living facility that we do, mm-hmm. and normally it takes two medical assistants uh, or or pharmacy techs two days to do them, and then the, they every one of these have to be checked by a pharmacist to make sure that the medical the tech didn't put a wrong pill in a wrong place, mm-hmm. and so the pharmacist has to look at every one of those cards to make sure the pills are correct. So with this machine here, they did they filled everything for this facility in two hours. Yep. And and the pharmacist only has to check like every so many, I think is what they said. They were checking with the board of pharmacy about that, but but the check is so much easier mm-hmm. uh, through the process with the pharmacist. Um, and so at at the end of the day, it's more accurate, you know, and it's just easy to use. So we're very excited in it, and it print it, it'll it'll package it as in bingo cards is what we call them because they're size of a bingo card. Right. But in the back, there's little bubbles in there with their pills, and you can do it in single doses or multi doses. So you mm-hmm. can put all four of your nine o'clock meds in one little container. Yeah. Which is really. It it is really truly amazing when you see the machine actually work. Um, it's, it's pretty remarkable and the accuracy that it works with and the speed that it works with. And it's going to be, I think a game changer 
for everybody that we're serving, uh, you know, with medication. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's, it's exciting. Um, yeah. So, um, automation is, is here, uh, whether it's digging through your charts or whether it's, uh, packaging your pills, mm -hmm. uh, it's an exciting, um, it's really an exciting time to, to be in healthcare, um, as we learn so many new things out there. Uh, okay. but again, what you have to understand is everybody's not doing this. Right. I mean, this is, this is a rarity, which is also why, um, as you know, like Blue Cross Blue Shield was anxious to talk to us because we we are one of their best providers in the state. I mean, mm -hmm. they see that from the net, the metrics. Sure. And what they would be saying, but but what they're also telling us, but y'all are doing a lot of stuff you're not getting credit for mm. because you're not going back into these where these little pockets they'll pay us these bonuses for and having these extra visits. And so have more visits. The insurance company's telling us to right. do more visits. <laughs> That's awesome. Spend more money. Yeah, yeah, because they know at the end of the day, it, it, it really does save money. It yeah. saves money and it saves lives at the end of the day. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Great. Scott, thanks All so right. much. Well, Jamie, I'm going to run. Thank you so much. You have a great weekend. And, you too. Um, and thanks for sharing the word out there. Absolutely. Have a good one. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Disruptive Podcast with Scott Middleton. Follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter at the Disrupted Podcast. You can also help us out by giving us a five-star rating. Thanks for listening.